in that discourse on breaking into power circles. Breaking into power circles. I believe it's been a blessing so far. Breaking into power circles. God's plan, God's intention is for you and I to be in a place of influence, in a place of significance. God doesn't just want you and I to come to this world and survive. He wants us to experience true significance. He wants our life to be extraordinary. And you see, we must start by believing that it is possible. We must start by knowing that it is possible. We must get to that point where we realize that our lives are not meant to be ordinary. Your life is not just meant, you know, God did not put you on this earth. He didn't save you just for you to come, go to school, get good grades, get a nice job, look for a pretty girl or a handsome guy to marry, right? Have some kids, build the house, you know, and some cars and die like Solomon Grundy. How many of us remember Solomon Grundy? Born on Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday. He didn't even go to school. <laughs> he just married straight. Sharp guy. Was stupid guy anyway. <laughs> Praise God. So God does not want our lives to be like Solomon Grundy's life. He wants your life to be so much more. He wants your life to be so much more. And every believer must have that at the back of their minds. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, which I emphasized on Sunday, that's why he said in Matthew 6, right, verse 31 to 33, he said, don't make the focus of your existence what the Gentiles make the focus of their existence. He says, don't be obsessed saying, what are we going to eat? What shall we drink? Or what are we going to put on? It doesn't want your life to be about the latest designer. It doesn't want your life to be about the fashion. Like, ah, you know, this is what is trending now. I need to have this also. It doesn't want your life to be about the acquisition of the latest tech. He said, these are the things the Gentile lives for. He says, when you see an average unbeliever, these are the things they live for. They want to trend. They want to be the latest, right? He says, these are the things the Gentiles are seeking for. He says, your heavenly father knows, not that you just want these things. He knows that you need these things. Because there are things that are wants, there are things that are needs. As long as you still have this earth suit, as long as you still have this body, food, clothing, and shelter will not be a want, it will be a need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It will be a need. In fact, God was the first fashion designer. I hope you know. He was the one that came up with the idea of wearing clothes when man fell. The Bible says that Adam, you know, and his wife, they tried to cover themselves with leaves. And God said, no, you don't have ideas. Let me show you. You know, the Bible says that he killed an animal and he made for them a leather jacket. My own interpretation. <laughs> Praise God. So God clothed them. You see, Jesus, when he healed the man, the madman of Gadara, the Bible says the guy was not in his right frame of mind. After Jesus killed him, the Bible says he was well clothed. He was well clothed. So God knows that you have a need of these things. He knows that these things are necessities. But he's saying don't make it your focus. Don't make it your obsession. He said because if that is your obsession, there is no way we'll be able to differentiate you from believers. 
So it simply means the only thing that differentiates you from believers is not your ability to rattle in tongues. It's not your ability to, you know, to, to do so many spiritual gymnastics. It says one of the ways we know that you are a child of God and that you are a believer and that you are from a different stock is that what other people are focused on is not your own focus. So he's saying what should be our focus? So he didn't leave us without answers, right? He said seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God, and I've told us several times, is not, is not the same as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is the influence of God on the earth. That's why the Bible says the time is going to come that the kingdoms of this world is going to be the kingdom of our God. And the kingdom of our God, uh, right? So God's original intent for leaving us on this earth after we gave our lives to Christ is that he wants us to, you know, win the kingdoms of this world back to him. He wants us to influence sectors. He wants us to take charge of spheres of influence. He doesn't want just to just, you know, live a life of survival. And you need to understand that the moment your life is focused on what to eat, what to drink, what to put on, what to drive, you will lose sight of the bigger picture, which is a life of significance, which is the kingdom of God. Which is the kingdom of God. But you see, the amazing thing is that when you focus on kingdom, when you focus on significance, there is no way your needs will not be met. It's impossible. But it is possible, right, to live a life of personal success, right, to survive and never taste of significance. But it is not possible to experience a life of significance and not experience personal success. So Jesus is saying, don't focus on personal success. Don't focus on survival, right? Focus on the kingdom. Focus on the most important things. That's why you notice that when Jesus was preaching, he kept saying the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. What he was saying is that God's way of doing things is here. Right? There is a way you have been doing things before I showed up. There is a way you have conducted your life. But now I'm introducing to you a different lifestyle. I'm showing you a better way to live. I'm showing you a better way to conduct yourself. Let's open our Bibles to our text for this series, Luke chapter 4. We're going to read it again, praise God. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. Luke 4, 5 to 8. And we'll read Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. We all know it often, but let's look at it again. Luke 4, verse 5 to 8. The Bible says, And the devil taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time. Did you see that? The devil did not show him the kingdom of heaven. It showed him the kingdoms of this world. Because there are kingdoms on the earth. There are kingdoms. There are kingdoms. Right? And this is not talking about the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. He's talking about the influence, the spheres of influence, right? The Bible says, and the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you, and the glory of them, for that it is delivered unto me, and to whosoever I desire, I will give it. If you therefore will worship me, everything that you have seen is going to be yours. He says, if you worship me, you say, worship is more than the bowing down of your head in the place of uh, where slow songs have been, you know, sang in church. It's not even the road. There are people who roll on the floor, but you say, worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of consecration. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? 
Your work can even be your worship. So the devil said, all you have to do is just live for me. You see? Because you can't just tell the man that if you just bow down like this, I will give everything to you. No, he's saying live for me. Further my agenda. All these things are going to be yours. Because I can give it, that simply means it's not everyone that is in a place of influence that were placed there by God. Some were placed there strategically by the devil. The devil just said that. He said, whosoever I desire, I give it to. I give it to whomsoever I want. How did the devil get it in the first place? Did, the devil, did God give it to him? No. Because the Adam, when God created man, man was the God of this world. But when man fell, man made the devil the God of this world. I think it's Ephesians 2 and verse 2. It says, it refers to the devil as the prince of the power of the air. That was not supposed to be so. But you see, the man that God created, and because every human being that exists, or that existed after him, right, was that the seed of every human being was already in Adam. So when Adam fell, everybody fell alongside. That's what the Bible says, through the sin of one man, death entered into the world. Sin entered into the world. It says, but also through the obedience of one man, the man Christ Jesus, we are able to become righteous. Right? So the devil is saying here, he says, I can give you this power. But look at the first thing he said. He said, all this power will I give you. He didn't put glory before power. He put power before glory. Because when you have the power, you can get the glory. And the glory is talking about here is not a bright light. It's talking about wealth. It's talking about you living to, you know, the ultimate. Okay, let me put it this way. The glory of the sun is when it shines the brightest. The glory of the sun is not seen in midnight. The glory of the moon is when you see the full moon. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we're talking about the glory of a man, we're talking about when you get to that point where you live out God's intention. Everything God has put on your inside. You get to your grave years to come and there is nothing that is still on the inside of you. You are dying empty. That is when you say a man has experienced glory. Am I making sense tonight? The man of God, Dr. Miles Monroe, while he was alive, used to say that the richest place on the earth it's not the gold mines. It's not even the banks. It's not the, uh, the top and the, the, the richest countries in the world. He said the wealthiest place on the earth at the gra- is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard are books that were never written. Inventions that never saw the light of day. Ideas that were never executed. Potentials that were never fulfilled. It is when you get to that point where you begin to live out everything God has put on your inside that you begin to see the glory of God. Am I making sense tonight? The glory of God, right, never reflects in the life of the indolent. It doesn't. There is something, a channel, through which the glory of God, right, will proceed from your life. And so the devil is saying, I will give all these things to you. All you just need to do is to worship me. We see a man by the name of Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 verse 46 to 49. The Bible tells us about him and tells us how he got to a point in his life at an early age. And he began to sit even in the gates of the king. And just like I said the first part of this message, the gates here was not referring to physical gates. It was talking about a place of power, a place of influence, a place of authority. The place where decisions are being made in the land. 
Anytime you see gates in the Bible, 98% of the time is referring to places where policies are being made, where the decisions that will influence the life of the populace, where the decisions are being made, that's the place referred to as gates. It simply means you are not, you are not too young to be in the gates. And you see, Daniel did not operate in an environment that was conducive for his faith. He didn't operate in an environment, right, that was uh, 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 sympathetic towards his beliefs. It got to a point that they even said, you know what? If you don't stop praying to your God, we're going to throw you into, into the lion's den. Yet, in that same place, Daniel thrived. In that same place, Daniel ruled. It simply means never wait for perfect conditions to do whatever it is God wants you to do. If you keep waiting for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You see, there will never be a perfect condition. You are the one that must perfect the conditions. Did you understand what I just said? There will never be a perfect... That's what the Bible says that a slothful man turns upon his bed. It says there is a lion in the streets. The Bible says there's the slothful. By reason of... It says by reason of cold, he's not going to sow. It's not going to sow, so he will be hungry in the time of harvest. So even the Bible told us that of a truth, there is a reason. It is cold outside. That's why he's not sowing. But that reason is not tenable enough. Because if others are sowing in the cold, if they are sowing in winter, you must also find a way to sow, in spite of the ash conditions. Am I making sense tonight? In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13, the Bible says you shall be the head. You shall be the head. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible says? It says, the Lord shall make you the head. The Lord shall make you the head. That's what it says. It says, the Lord shall... It simply means if the Lord doesn't make you, you can struggle and never get there. You see, being the head, headship is not something you can struggle or fight for. You have to be made the head. You have to be made. You have to be made. You can't, you can't also to be the head. There must be a power behind you. There must be a backup. There must be a support structure that is unseen. It says, the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall say, it says, and you shall, did you see the equation? It says, when the Lord makes you the head, then you shall be above only and not beneath. So the making is God's part, but there is also a part you need to play. Because somebody can say that, ah, so it's even the Lord. Oh, this I thought I was the one. Oh, yes, there is a part God will do. There is a part you must do. And so it simply means what the Bible was trying to say here is this. As a believer, when you give your life to Christ, you see there is a grace that comes upon you that needs to be activated. There is a grace for headship. It's part of the blessing of Abraham. Let's go to Galatians 3 and verse 13. I wanted to see it. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 3. And verse 13. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us. For it is written. Curse is every man that hangs on a tree. That the blessing. Go to the next verse. That the blessing of who? The blessing of who? Of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Not the blessing of God. But the blessing of Abraham. I'm still going to talk about that during the course of this series. <laughs> The blessing of Abraham. So God is saying, if I'm going to bless you, you must connect to the one through which I've released the blessing on the earth. Hmm. Hallelujah. You see that even Jesus, when he came, they kept referring to him as the son of David. Not just the son of God. 
We must be able to trace you somewhere. That's why in the days when David was in the wilderness and he helped a man by the name of Nabal, he helped his livestock, you know, his shepherd. And in the time of the of harvest, when David heard, right, that Nabal, right, was beginning to enjoy some of the things that he helped his shepherds to accomplish. He said, oh, naturally, you know, in the Jewish culture, you should send something to those who helped you out. You know, so when David sent the message, Nabal said, who is he? Who is David? Say, I don't know him. Say, because in these days, there are many servants who break away from their masters. I don't know him. I can't just send my stuff to a vagabond. In this age and time, if Nabal said that then, I wonder what he will say now. Because in this age and time, there are people you can trace nowhere. <laughs> Praise God. So we already spoke about the power circles of the earth. The reason why a lot of believers are not there. We said because of fear. Number two, we said because of ignorance. Number three, we said because of toxic teachings and doctrines. Number four, we said simple mindedness. Number five, indolence. Indolence. Many believers are just too lazy. I'll be honest with us. Call the truth, say the truth and nothing but the truth. Many of us in the name of prayers and miracles, we expect God to do for us what he has given us the capacity to do. A miracle has a God part and a man part. Your prayer and fasting and spiritual gymnastics and rolling on the floor and whatever will not make God do for you what he has given you the capacity to do for yourself. The African believer needs to understand that. God is not an irresponsible father. Number six is separation. Many of us, have, we separated ourselves from the world system. We believe that, you know, if, if, if we get involved in certain things, you've had statements like politics is a dirty game. You know, how many of us have heard that before? I had that growing up. You know, so as a believer, you should not be, you know, in that space, you know, so that you will not be dirty. Yeah. <laughs> politics is a dirty game. That's the reason why believers need to be there. So they can turn it into a clean game. If you leave it to the unbelievers, it will forever be dirty. For instance, if you have a cloth and they say this is a dirty cloth and it is a good cloth, will you say because it's a dirty cloth, you will never wear it? Is it that you wash it or you take it to the laundry? Or dry cleaner or whatever they, uh, we call it, right? So that you can wear it. Now, I'll leave that for some other time. Another reason is integration. And that's why you need spiritual strength. Inward strength. Before you venture into certain things. Many people, the things they are trusting God for, they have not built enough capacity to handle it. That's why when they get into certain spaces, they get lost like a needle in an haystack. You, just, you can't find them anymore. Values get eroded. Because they did not have strong values backed up by scriptures. The same way going to, you know, you see, the same way parking or putting something in a garage doesn't make that thing a car. Because you can also park a wheelbarrow in a, in a garage. Doesn't make someone coming to church a Christian. Sometimes a lot of people foolishly and simple-mindedly Go into a relationship and marriage without doing due diligence. 
Simply because I met him in church. The devil also goes to church. I hope you know. <laughs> you see, you think the devil, even the devil was confident enough to go into God's presence. The Bible says God called the meeting of his sons, of the angels. And the devil showed up. And nobody could chase him out. So what makes you think the devil is not in church? I met him in church. Are you that ignorant? <laughs> Integration. That's why a lot of believers are not in places of power. In places of influence. Because a lot of us have not built enough spiritual strength. We just believe, is it just to go? You, you, you see, your good intentions are not good enough. Good intentions are not good enough. <laughs> you know, last night we were having a discourse at home. I was talking about someone, you know, that we all know and everybody, you know, if he truly has a good intention, he should have resigned. He should have. <laughs> so you don't understand things don't happen like that. They know you have a good intention. They know you have claimed so much of Christ. Ah, when I get there. <laughs> so their own agenda, first of all, is to make sure they put some debt on you and have some things against you. So if you don't play to the agenda and you come out, they mess you up. The kind of messing up your generation can never recover from. You see, the reason why a lot of people fail is not because they plan to fail. It's because they underestimate the cost of success. That's one major reason. People don't fail because there is nobody that says, Ah, in life, my goal is to fail. No, everybody wants to succeed. But even with the intention to succeed, a lot of people still end up in life as blatant failures. Why? Because they underestimate what it requires to play in the field of success. And much more is required to be significant. Much more. Much more. Much more. So we said the life of significance and impact is impossible without breaking into power circles. Never forget that. If you want to do something meaningful in life, you need a power structure support. You need it. Or else your good intentions will die as good intentions. Number two, we said one thing you need to understand about power circles is that those who are obsessed with the life of survival and personal success can never break into power circles. We also said it is your birthright as a believer to be in a position of power. Number four, we said it is God's call upon mankind, especially the believer, to be in a power circle. That's what the Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse 26. It says, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. It says, and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. To have dominion is to have power, control over the elements of life and nature. And let me tell you, the very essence of dominion simply means a force has to be exerted. And it is, the exertion, it is in the exertion of that force. It is in that exertion. That's what you need power for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't put something under, right? Let's, uh, there's this fight um, that they do in Olympics. Is it judo, right? That um, when two guys are wrestling, the winner is the person that is able to keep the other person down for so long. So you have to be stronger than the opposition. So I established this very strongly and I want to you know, also emphasize more on this tonight. That there will never be a vacuum in a power circle. 
Never. 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 There will never be a vacuum. Oftentimes, many of us are waiting for the time when everything is going to be easy peasy and you are just going to walk in and stroll in into what God has planned and ordained for you. And you just, <laughs> no, no, no. That day will never come. As long as the earth remains. The Bible says in Matthew 11 and verse 12, it says, uh, 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 it says the kingdom, says the day of John the Baptist, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence will take it by force. There will never be a vacuum. Never. The land that God gave the children of Israel, it already had occupants. I want us to go to Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24. Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. I want every one of us to look at it. Are we ready? Let's read that together. One to go. Rise ye up. Take your journey. And pass over the river Anon. Behold, I have what? I have what? Given into your hand Sion, the Amorite king of Eshbon and his land. So if you have given it to me, what should I do? Should I just walk in? No. It says begin to possess it. How? By contending with him in battle. But God, you said you have given me. Why do I need to fight the battle again? Aha. The reason why I'm telling you that is because you will realize that that battle, you are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from a standpoint of victory. But see, you will still need to fight. I'm not going to fight your battles for you. The God the average African believes is the God that he has given it to you and he has fought the battle for you. <laughs> he said, I've given it to you, but now begin to contend with him in battle. There is nothing God asks for you that you will not have to fight for. That's why as a believer, you can't afford to be a weakling. Why is life like this? All these things, uh, I don't even want Ah! What have you seen? I think it was Isaiah that said, he said, if you contend, he said, if you fight with men and they weary you, or something like that, he said, how will you be able to run with horses? You are running with men and you are tired. I said, ah, this race is too difficult. Though. He said, what will you now do when you have to run against horses? When you have to compete with horses? You can't afford to be weak-minded. Any space that God has given you, whether it is in education, whether it is in science and technology, whether it is in arts and culture, that place has already been occupied. There are giants in that land. Giants are people that it seems as if, ah, nobody can take the place of this one. Too. Those are giants. And let me tell you, that was what the children of Israel also experienced in Numbers, I think, 13. 31 to 33, thereabout. The Bible says when they sent them to spy out the land, they saw the giants. And the ten elders were afraid. What did they know is that giants, the giants were not there to keep the place from you. They are there to keep the place for you. If there were no giants there, anybody could have walked into that land and taken possession of it. But God deliberately placed giants there to tell the average person that does not have inward strength, inner strength, that you know what, keep off, back off. This is not a territory you can just occupy anyhow. And that's why God gave the children of Israel inside the information. That the land is already yours. I have given it to you. You know, let me tell you this. When you see giants in any industry God has given you, they are like mannequins. Is somebody here? You know, if you see a mannequin from a distance, well-dressed, some look very real like human beings. That's the way they are. 
when you move closer, you will realize they are lifeless. But if you don't move closer to what God has promised you, we say when you look at something from a distance, there is a view you have. When you move closer to it, your perspective changes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it seems as if, oh, I can't take over this industry. I can't take over the world of fashion. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's because of your perspective. Change how you look at what you are looking at. Change it. Change it. But let me tell you this, there will always be giants in the land. There would always be giants in governance. There would always be giants in the educational sector. There will always be giants in the economic sector. There would always be. There would always be. But you must see yourself. That's why Jesus said, nobody can enter into the house of a strong man until he binds him. He says, after you do that, that's when you can take the goods. For many, a long time, believers have thought that the devil was the strong man. You can be the strong man. The strong man that is in charge of his goods and says nobody's going to take this space. Let me tell you, there are some industries that some people stood years ago in this country and said, you know what? We are going to take over this industry. You look at, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm subject to correction, but when you look at the makeup industry, one of the people that really took that industry was Tara. When you look at most makeup artists, a lot of them young ladies are Christians. Because somebody years ago stood in that industry and said, we're going to take over this industry. Now, I'm not saying there are no unbelievers that play there. But go and check it. Just do your research. You can stand up one day and say, you know what? This field God has given me. I'm, I'm, I'm not just going there for myself. I'm going there to open the gate for others. I'm still going to come to that. I hope I have enough time. You see, you go there to open the gate for others. That's kingdom. Personal success is when you say, ah, yes, everybody must now see that. No, 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 no. When God gave the children of Israel the promised land, he didn't only take Joshua there. He took a whole nation there. A nation of the, the Jewish nation. So any space that God wants to give to you, especially if you are the one arousing that move, God doesn't just want you to go there and be a giant of some sort. He wants you to go there and open the gates that the righteous may come in. That the righteous may come in. So please understand, there would always be giants in your industry. But how you see things matter a lot. Am I making sense? How you see things matter. They are mannequins. Always remember. Tell yourself, you know, I've seen mannequins before that I thought were human beings. When you move, ah, mannequin Kenesha. <laughs> how many of us have experienced that? It looks real. That's why the Bible says it will overturn and overturn and overturn until it gets to the turn of the one to whom it has been appointed. It's in your Bible. The promised land is not an empty land. It has never been and it will never be. Also realize that you need a high dose of self-esteem and confidence to attempt to even break into a power circle. A high dose of... You see, one of the things that gets me worried the most is when I come across believers with low self-esteem. I can't comprehend it. And if there's anybody dealing with that tonight, tonight is your night of freedom. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. 
how you see yourself matters. The king saw Goliath as somebody he could not bring down. How old was Saul? Obviously older than David. But David saw the giant, Goliath, as this guy. He said, ah! Look at what Saul said. He said, ah, don't attend to this. So he has been fighting since he was a youth. Can you say that Saul is already losing his mind? You said somebody has been fighting from his youth. Now you see a youth, you say don't fight. If he doesn't start fighting from a youth, how will he ever be able, how will he be able to defeat and win in the battles of the future? David said, no, no, don't worry. Abandoned guys better than this. So you were not there when I killed the lion. When I killed the bear. That's why in life you don't run away from challenges. Let me tell you, those challenges, some of us, you don't know the reason why you are going through some of the things you are going through. When you are going through stuff, it's not for you to now start crying, God, where are you? Is where he was the day someone was being crucified. And he did nothing. If you had done something, you will not be saved. Let me tell you, God is not, is not emotional or sympathetic in that sense. Whatever you need to go through, you must go through it. The day the lion came, what if David said, eh, lion, pow, the guy ran away. What would have happened the day he saw Goliath? He would also have run away. I said, eh, it's who they said I should bring girl. Take your food. I'm going back home. And he would have missed his destiny. Just read it, just go and do BS. The Bible says he went after the, you see, it's so amazing how, how complete the Bible is. The Bible says when the the Lord did not come after him and the beer, it went after the sheep. But it was there that said, Ah, they put me in charge of something. How will I go home and say I've missed one? He said, Oh God, come here. Sorry, the Bible says I he said I went after it. Not the lion came for me. It was not the point object of attack. It was the sheep. What will make a 17-year-old guy see himself as someone capable of doing that? Self-confidence. And let me tell you, this self-confidence, quick tips on how to build self-confidence, is meditating on God's word. Meditate on God's word. What has God said in his word? You know what David said when he stood before Goliath? He said, you uncircumcised Philistine. Let me tell you this. Self-confidence does not come from all this motivational self-talk, self-talk. You know, say, say, I'm confident, I'm confident, I'm confident. No. That was where it started from. David said, you uncircumcised Philistine. Uncircum- you. It's like, you, you, you ordinary nonsense unbeliever. You. He said, you are not coming just against me. He said, you are fighting against the God of the armies of Israel. You see where he was talking from? Covenant consciousness. It wasn't just doing um, motivational mumbo-jumbo. He said, I'm going to cut off your head. Look at how he was talking. And that's a second point to building a good self-esteem, right? Is speak, speak confidently to yourself and about yourself. See, if you believe you are not pretty as a lady, let me tell you how to change it. Ah, get a mirror. I'm serious. You think it's funny, but it works. The Bible says, let the beauty of the Lord that God be upon us. If you confess it long enough and you believe it, one day you will wake up and see that you are beautiful. The God that, can, that created you, that, are you telling me that I cannot recreate you? Hmm. People 
people have slept in the night sick and they woke up and realized that a spiritual oppression happened on them. Where did the idea of plastic surgery come from? You think that knows that you think it's not, you think it's, the size cannot reduce? You see, the reason why some of these things sounds funny is because you've not practiced it. There was a time in my life I thought I was ugly. That was one of the things I did. I thought I was not good enough. But I would look at the mirror and say, the glory of... <laughs> you can't look at me and say I'm ugly. Am I? Except something is faulty with water. <laughs> I'm serious. Some people believe they are not... Look at yourself and speak to... You see, that's one of the most difficult things you will ever do. Looking at yourself in the eyes. And talking to yourself. Not just talking to yourself, but how you talk about yourself. Some people when they talk about yourself, ah, ah, guy, oh, you are looking, you say, uh, uh, just leave it, we are just managing. You will never hear me talk like that. You, say, uh, uh, leave me. you think you are being humble. No, you have low self-esteem. Because low self-esteem, one of the hallmarks is you can't receive a compliment. When people compliment say, oh, you don't mean it, Joe, you don't mean it. What makes you think I don't mean it? Did you force me to compliment you? Praise the Lord. Another thing that will help you to be the good self-esteem, keep your past victories in view. Your past victories. What has God done for you? What has he done through you? That was one of the things David did when he stood before Saul. And Saul said, ah, you can't kill Goliath. He said, ah, king, let me tell you why I can do it. He said, there was a time I fought the lion. I fought the bear. And I'm still here. Your past victories can boost your self-esteem and your self-confidence. If God can do that in the past, when I didn't even know this much, uh-uh. Keep your past victories. And let me tell you this, there is nobody here that God has not done something for. The times when you did not know it was going to show up for you and it came through. The problem is many of us, we forget the things God has done. That's why David said to himself, he says, do not forget his benefits. Don't forget. Because your mind, the default mode is forgetfulness. That's why I told us that the Holy Spirit, you know, inspired me two weeks ago and we had to come up with a testimony card in church. Because there are times I just remember some testimony. I just remember, ah, we didn't even share this. Even me, I forgot. And the Holy Spirit said, it will stop if you don't start documenting it. That's why I've told us your mind is not meant essentially for storage. It's for creativity. That's why even in heaven, God has a book. Why didn't God say, everybody that gives their life to Christ, gives, accepts me as my son as their Lord, as I will remember their name. The Bible says there is a book. You give your life to Christ, they document your name. Maybe the date too. I don't know. But your name is written there. Why didn't God say, I know, we will remember that day. You... Ah, when did you give up? Mm, 1982. You, 1990. No, no, don't worry. I can remember. Angel Gabriel, God, did he give his life? Mm, I think so. There is a book. But no, many of us, we commit everything to memory. That's why we forget so many things. See, there are some of the things God does in your life that even you need to write it, not just for yourself. So that in days of trouble, you go back to it and say, ah, the God that did this. One of the things I do when I, you know, do, you know, vision board, I've taught us about this a couple of times, you know, you know, the things you are trusting God for. When you do all those pictures and everything, when those things happen, don't throw them away. File them. So the day you are trusting God for another thing, and it seems as if these things will not happen, go back to the ones you have filed and say, ah, ah. 
the God that provided the gem. He will provide a 5,000 state-of-the-art facility. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. If he did that, before we got here, the facility we were using before, it was as if this place would never be a reality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So many of us, we forget. That's where the problem is. You don't document things. You don't. And so when people just say, yeah, you can't do it, you, too, you accept you can't do it. Because you don't remember the things that it seemed as if you could never do, but God did through you. There are some things you can never tell me that I can't do. Because there were things or there are things I'm doing now that I never believed I could do. So when you remember those things, there's a way it makes you confident. That's no motivational nonsense. You just know, ah, the God that did it. <laughs> Small thing. I may not know how. But I know you will do it. I may not know how. And that's not my business. My business is to know what I want and to keep putting to work his principles. But I know it will show up. It might not show up according to my timeline, but it will show up. It will show up. It will show up. Praise the Lord. So how do you see yourself? I want you to ask your neighbor. Say, neighbor, how do you see yourself? You need to see yourself the way God sees you. There is no place for people struggling with self-esteem in places of power. Have you seen people in circles of power, how they talk? It's not when they go there, they started talking that way. It's because they talk that way that they go there. Many people think, when I go there, when I get there, I will not start. No! David had been confident before he confronted Goliath. That was why he was able to go after the lion. There was a level of self-confidence that was already on the inside of him. You know, because... When the lion showed up in the wilderness, he was the only one there. When the bear showed up, he was the only one there. If he had not built his self-confidence in God, the day he appeared before Goliath, something would have told him, the king cannot do it. The army general cannot do it. Foot soldiers cannot do it. You, what's your qualification? And you know, if David had messed up, it would have been national disgrace. Instead of singing, Thor killed thousand, David killed ten thousand, the song would have been the other way. Stupid boy, David thought he could do what he could. <laughs> but because he had done something in private, many people want to achieve public victory without private victory. Your victory starts in the private. Don't try to display publicly what you have not experienced in private. It never works. Next, understand that everyone in power circles, they are consciously, unconsciously fulfilling God's agenda or the devil's agenda. Everyone. Everyone. Consciously, unconsciously. Next, clarify your motive for wanting to break into power circles. This is very critical. Clarify your motive. Clarify your motive. Clarification is the prerequisite to direction. Clarification. Why? Okay, so we're talking about power circles throughout this month. Why do I want to break into power circles? Why? 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 You must clarify it. You must clarify it. And some of the things that can give you clarity are the things I've already been talking about in the last, you know, two weeks. You must clarify it. You see, because if you don't know where you are going, every destination will look like it. Everywhere will look like your preferred destination if you don't know where you are going. So why? Why? Why do I want to be part of the top 1-10%? 1-10% in my field of play? In my industry? Why? 
You see, and there must be a higher purpose. Because nobody breaks into the highest levels of success in life by just wanting to show off or prove a point to others. So this thing we are talking about is so that when you get there, you can pepper them. No, 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 no. It's so that you can ginger others. Not pepper them. So when others see that God has done something through you, they say, ah, ah. The God that can do this through me, through Bisola, through Susan, through Hawaii, ah, ah, that God smart thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not to now buy five cars. One for Monday, one for Tuesday, one for Wednesday, one for Thursday, one for Friday. Red, green, white with matching clothes. What's that? There must be a higher purpose. You see, it's that higher purpose that drives you even when you feel like quitting. Because let me tell you, it's not an easy journey. It's not. That's why most people don't break into power circles. That's why most people just live a life of survival and just personal success. It's that consciousness of that higher purpose that keeps you going. That keeps you going. That keeps you going. Number nine... Understand that without power, you will be voiceless and helpless. Without power, you will be what? Voiceless and helpless. <laughs> there are men and platforms that are voice amplifiers. Let me tell you this, you might not like it, but it's the truth. Christian TV channels are good. You know... We need a place where we can speak our language and everybody understands, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Being on CNN or BBC and saying Jesus is Lord is more powerful than saying Jesus is Lord on CBN. Do you know that? Super Bowl is one of the, you know, most watched events globally, especially in the U.S., the country literally shut down during Super Bowl. Saying Jesus is Lord in Super Bowl. Uh, everybody already knows when you go for a crusade that Jesus is Lord. We already know. I don't, I've forgotten the name of this guy. I never really remember his name anyway because I'm not a football person. This guy that used to, was he Brazilian? Utaka. Utaka, that's his name. Is he on his headband or maybe t-shirt that he used to wear Jesus is Lord or something? Kaka. You said Utaka. I just knew there was Ka there. But <laughs> Kaka. Does he still play? What happened to him? He has retired. But you know that thing went viral then. And he was not an incompetent player. Because don't tell us Jesus is Lord if you are incompetent. You are a bad witness. I remember a dear man of God in the United States was talking about the fact that there was a particular, you know, football, you know, American football player, because their own, I don't know why they call it football. That thing should not be called football. <laughs> you know, <laughs> American football player, you know, who joined their church. And he told him, he said, now, you just gave your life to Christ. The guy just became a believer. So he said, there are basic things you need to understand about. He said, now that you are a believer, he said, there's going to be a spotlight on your effectiveness in that thing. He said, don't be in a rush to try to tell everybody. He said, there's a place of talking to people you have a relationship with. Right? About your faith. About what just happened to you. He said, but don't be too loud about it. He said, because it can backfire. And unfortunately, the guy did not listen. His effectiveness now denosdived. 
He now said it's because he gave his life to Christ that he now became ineffective. Stupid guy. Because Christ makes you better, not worse. I remember when we were on campus, some of our friends, they will not attend lecture. They will be praying on motion ground. They're praying. They failed passionately. And I was excited that they failed. Because they were bad examples of a believer. They will not prepare for exam. They will be praying. I'll be looking at them like this. Are we not serving the same God like? Failed. All of them got called out of school. We pass. Some as in nothing to write. And some of them are still struggling because of those decisions. Say, no, I came to school to win souls. Eh. When you're saying that your parents sent you to school, I'm paying your school fees, go and win souls. It's a stupid ideology. You ask, as a believer, you should always win souls. But that's not why your parents sent you to school. They sent you to school to pass. While you are passing, be winning souls. I'm first a believer. I'm first a soul winner before I'm a student. Many of them today, we are not hearing anything about them anymore. I believe you are not like that. You can't be a member of this house and be like that. You know now. And this is very critical. Understand that no one broke into a power circle accidentally. So you will not wake up one day and suddenly find yourself in a power circle. You will not wake up one day and suddenly find yourself at the apex of your industry, of your sector. You will not suddenly wake up one day and realize, ah, how did I get here? Even me, I don't know. God is a good God, though. How am married in the Shaolua? You know, his ways are past finding out. So he don't know how he does his things. No. Breaking into power circles require two things. Two things. And I want you to write this down. Number one is strategy. Number two is a long-term thinking. Number one is what? Strategy. Number two is long-term thinking. Breaking into power circles does not happen overnight. It happens over time. So I'm talking about these things. I'm not expecting, you know, uh, uh, that by the end of the year, you just know. Let's just, except in supernatural cases. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you, when I say supernatural cases, it simply means maybe somebody has been laboring behind the scenes that we didn't know about and God just pushed them into the limelight. But most times, God will never push someone into the lamplight that he has not prepared for the lamplight. He doesn't. He doesn't. So breaking into power does not happen accidentally. It's dependent largely on strategy and long-term thinking. Jesus came to save man. He didn't start preaching until he was 30. God cooked him for 30 years. God showed, uh, um, this guy, what's this guy's name? Joseph. A dream that he was going to be a world leader. People were going to bow before him. Nations were going to bow before him. It didn't happen until he was 30. 13 years. 13 years. So these things are not going to happen overnight. But you must understand them. You must understand them as early as possible. So it can guide the way you conduct your life. So let me tell you, there is a specific age bracket you get to. That knowing these things, you can only pray for the next generation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's just the truth. 
You can only pray and wish them well. Because these things take time. It takes years. So let me explain. Not just time. Because one's like, oh yeah, man, be like five hours or one month. No, it takes years. David, God already anointed him through Samuel as king over Israel. <laughs> it didn't happen, no. Until he was 30. And when he first became king, he didn't even became, become king of Israel. He became king of Judah. It was six months or almost seven years later, he now became king of all Israel. It takes strategy and it takes a long-term thinking. Strategy and a long-term thinking. So the impatient in art can never break into power circles. People will always, it was happening, sharp, 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 sharp. Something was... <laughs> No. So what are the strategies? We're going to start on the first tonight. What are the strategies? What are the strategies? And let me tell you this. The conscious goal of everyone in power circles is to keep out the intruders. You must understand that. The intruder is anyone that is not yet in the power circle. Because the more powerful people become, power becomes meaningless. It becomes diluted. So the conscious goal is to keep the circle so small. And shut everybody out. That's why it requires strategy. And it requires thinking. The first strategy. Is you need to identify the area of influence. God is calling you into. You must identify it. And you must be clear about it. Nobody breaks into a power circle. By wanting to do so many things. I've seen so many people in the name of. You know one road does not lead to market. As if your life is a market. Trying to do so many things, so many things. Ah, oh, no, come on, what you know, let's just do everything. Let's just do everything. <laughs> Most times, those people will never, never, ever taste a life of significance. Never. At best, it's personal success. And that personal success is often even middle class. You must identify. There is a field that God has created you for. There is a field. You must, you, see, you must identify. You see, Apostle Paul said in second, you know, um, which we'll take our series from the first um, Life Masterclass series throughout this month. I think it's 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. He said, I've finished my course. Apostle Paul this says, I have finished a course. My course. The course. The, I said, I've run the race. It's my own race. I'm not running someone else's race. I'm not living someone else's life. The problem with this generation is the moment everyone sees that, oh, some people are achieving significance or success in the field. Everybody wants to go that route. You need to identify, you as an individual, what field has God called you into? As a person. You can't do what everybody is doing. And you should not desire to. Just during his earthly ministry when he was about to take his leave in John 17 and verse 4. He said, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus understood the work. That's why when he was on the earth, he didn't preach to the Gentiles. He preached only to the Jews. Because that was the limit of his assignment. He was the son of God. Yes, he understood his limitation. If you are going to be effective, you must be selective. You can't do everything. And let me tell you this, the amazing, the irony of it is this. When you achieve significance in one field, you will have significance in every field. But if you are trying to be significant everywhere, you will be significant to nowhere. So, 
Henry Ford, history remembers him as the guy that mass produced cars. But did we, do we know maybe he can run 100 meters? We don't know. Nobody cares. But when he was alive, if he speaks, the world responded. Or when he spoke, the world responded. Why? Because he achieved significance in that field. In that field. If God has called you into science and technology, stay there. If God has not called you into ministry, don't try to venture into it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God has called you into, into education, stay there. One say, ah, it seems as if it's at an entertainment people are making money now. At an entertainment. You know, entertainers are rich people. You can venture into it and be as broke as a Nigerian rat. Not church rats, because church rats are not broke anymore. Praise God. You can't be a rat in gateway and be broke. Do you know what you will eat? Do you know how much some of these cables cost? <laughs> The rats of the whole church. It is bench and sand. <laughs> Praise God. Even this flower, do you know how much it costs? So if you eat it, you are not a broke rat. <laughs> so maybe Nigeria rat or Somalia rat. <laughs> Praise God. So identify there is a field God has called you into. Before the end of the year, I'm going to speak on purpose. Purpose and pursuits. Everybody has a purpose. There is a few God that's called. And let me tell you this. You will know it. It is not something like, I've seen people go, hey, Pastor, what do you think I should be doing with my life? I can't tell you. I didn't create you. I can't. Many people expect their pastors to do for them what their spiritual responsibility should do for them. Go into the place of prayer. Spend time with God. He will reveal himself to you. God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. What field has he called you into? If he has called you into fashion, stay with fashion. Once the average Nigerian uses that, somebody is making money, or he said, ah, this person is living a good life on social media. Ah, I want to. If you know how many inquiries first lady gets every day, oh my, I want to be following you. I want to learn, you know, this thing that you are doing. Me eh? too, so I believe I can talk. It's not about talking. I can talk. I can't do what she's doing. I will feel like a fool standing for people. She can't do it successfully. I'll feel like, what am I doing here? I will feel like a fish out of water. I can't say now because, ah, what is it? We have medical people in church. I'm pastoring them. What is it? Sister Faith is a nurse. Mr. Aleke is a doctor. I can choose. Who is sick here? Come. Bring your bumble. I will murder people. And they should arrest me. I say because I'm a pastor and there are lawyers in church. Let me go and represent. You, you have a court case, let me go and represent you. What is it? God will speak through me. Oh. <laughs> you have lost the case. Even before you arrive, you have lost it. Identify. Many people are trying to do what they have not been wired for. The world records with Elon Musk today. Why? He didn't try to do everything. That guy is just a creative genius. He just focused on creating things, coming up with ideas. Coming up with ideas. The world reckons with Bill Gates today. Why? Because of computers. Microsoft. That's all. And because of that, that's why I said if you are significant in one field, you can use it for other fields. That went into philanthropy, charity. But if, you see, I've seen a lot. Of, let me tell you this. Many of us might not like it. See, in life, before you help others, you must be helped. Some people are trying to be charitable, charitable, charitable. Even you yourself, you are seeing a charity project. 
climb the ladder. Throw the ladder down. Tell others to climb. That's why a lot of people have not been able to carry an NGO. A lot of NGOs have no global footprint. Before you can do charity successfully, you must have been well fed. Or else the money sent, you will be chopping it. <laughs> Say, ah, even me, I need charity. <laughs> Praise God. So the fact that you can do something does not mean you should do it. You see, the mo- one of the things that will make you realize you are growing spiritually is you get to a point where you have the resources, the ability to do something, and you don't do it. Because God has not told you to. Because God has not told you to. That's spiritual maturity. You get to that point. You have what it takes. But I've not received my matching orders. I had the bishop say sometimes, they should be able, you know, that they have a property in the north. That, that property is still there. Nin- in the 1980s. They have already started working there. And God said, if you move that ministry to that side, that will be the end. And he said, that place is not that far from where God said they should go. To you, it is just land. So God is not just land because he made places before he made people. So there was a time they had to shut down one of their churches in Ghana. He said, how did they start it? Some of their members, you know, Ghanaian people that were from that person, ah, we need the winners, we need the winners chapel here. So they started it. Be careful of what people inspire you to do. That God has not told you to do. So no matter how much people tell me, I feel we can. I live, I'm open to ideas. But if I've not had, please, don't cobalize me. Stay with your idea. Because the person that will bear the responsibility is the one carrying out the idea, not the one that gave the idea. When people inspire, ah, no, you can't. Every opportunity is not your opportunity. So there was a time they started their mission in Asia. He said, was so passionate about the Asian people. China. He said, God told him, you are not the one I'm sending there. He said, they called back the missionary. God is not with you. You can come. He said, <laughs> He said, if you like, you can stay there. If you like China, stay there. But I've recalled you. You can stay there. It's fine. I remember when I was on campus, you know, this circumstances I used to have fellowships on campus. One day, Reverend Sam just woke up and said, God did not, God, you know, it was the idea of one of the pastors. And it was working fine. And God said, they should shut it down. Some campus pastors did not shut it down. They turned it into their own churches. Those churches fizzled out. Not that they told me and that I know of. The church is eventually shut down. You don't want to shut it, no problem. Keep doing it. If he has not told you to do something, don't do it. If he has not sent you into a field, you may be passionate about the field. Like Paul, passionate about the Jews. God has sent you to Gentiles. You are staying with the Jews. Every time he went to the Jews, they will flog him. When he goes to the Gentiles, he will preach all night. Somebody will fall off, sleeping. He will raise him. He will still keep teaching. But every time he went to the Jews, they will stone him. He will die. Rise up again. (laughs) Because God has not sent you there. Check it. Any industry you are struggling with, maybe God has not sent you to that industry. He hasn't. Because he gives grace to every place he sends you to. He gives grace. It gives grace. It gives grace. I don't struggle to teach. It comes naturally. Does that mean I don't study? Of course I do. 
If he asks my wife, I'm a very disciplined person. Maybe the only area of my life where I'm not disciplined with is buying books. See, she had just found. <laughs> so I read a lot. Because you can't say because you are gifted, you now don't work on the gifting. It comes naturally. If you are talking to me one-on-one, by the time I talk 30 minutes, one hour, I'm tired. I can speak for five hours and not be tired. I've not taken anything today. But the strength, if, I, if you leave me, we'll keep here at 10 o'clock. <laughs> but we are not saying to 10. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight. For the seed of your word that's been sown in our hearts, we say thank you. We say thank you. Tonight, I want somebody to begin a prayer. Ask God to open your eyes. To open your eyes to see the field he has called you into. Ask him to open your eyes tonight. Ask him to open your eyes tonight. This is not a prayer you pray casually. This is a prayer you pray seriously. Many people, many lives have been wasted. Many resources have been wasted. Many energies have been misappropriated. Simply because men delved into places where God has not assigned them. Tonight has God to open your eyes. To see that place. That place. That place that he has given you. Even from the foundations of the world. Ask him to open your eyes. Ask him to open your eyes to see that industry, to see that space, to see that field he has given you. Father, we ask to open eyes tonight. We ask that you open our eyes. Open our eyes to see. You know our future more than we can remember our yesterdays, oh God. Open our eyes. The Bible says the hearing here and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. We ask that you will make our eyes seeing eyes. Make our ears hearing ears. Eyes that see the steps that need to be taken. Ears that hear the marching order of heaven. Open our eyes to see, oh God. To see where you want us to be. To see the field where you want us to play. Open our eyes, oh God. Open our eyes, oh God. That we may recognize without ambiguity that place that you want us to take over, that kingdom that you want us to make the kingdom of our God. Open our eyes tonight. Open our eyes tonight. Open our eyes tonight. Open our eyes tonight. In the dreams of the night and the thoughts of the day, speak to us about the steps you want us to take. Speak to us, speak to us, speak to us. Reveal to us the steps you want us to take, oh God. And Father, as your people, we ask that you will help us. Help us. This seems like a daunting tax. It seems like a mountain that cannot be climbed. But we know you are the one that gives strength. The Bible says those that wait upon you. It says that they will have their strength renewed. The strength for the journey ahead we receive tonight. The strength to remain consistent. Even in the face of opposition and contradictions. Father we receive tonight. 
We give you the thanks and we give you the praise. For in Jesus' name we have prayed and given thanks. Amen. And everybody say a very big amen. Let's do better. Praise God. If you are blessed, do better, do better, do better, do better. Yeah. What a great one. Praise God. We have some special guests in our midst. If today is your first time being at the Gateway Church, let us, let us have a show of hands. Today is your first time at the Gateway Church. Let us celebrate our online audience. Let us do it best. Let us celebrate them. Say we celebrate you all. Thanks for joining the service. Praise God. Let us, uh, it's time to give. Let us uh, package our tithe and offering. And if you are making a transfer, the account details are on the screen. The Gateway House of God International. 021-777-3286. GT Bank. And if you are giving in Dallas, 021-777-3293. The partnership, uh, if you have a partnership pledge to fulfill, 047-823-5684. Praise God. Let us cast a seat. For your blessings in my life, out of that which you have blessed me with, I have come today to cheerfully return your portion in tithes and offerings. As I give generously today, I reap bountifully throughout this week. Because I'm a faithful tither and cheerful giver, I therefore decree and declare the windows of heaven and are permanently open over me and the works of my hand. I decree and declare the devourized forever rebuke over my life, family, work, and business. I'm financially and materially blessed in all things and all places. I do not worry about economic downturns, inflations, and devaluation of the currency. Because God's word says, when men have been cast down, for me there shall be lifting up. This week, the Lord blesses everything that I do and lay my hands upon. I'm the head, and I'm always above wherever I find myself on this earth. This week, God's favor distinguishes me among my contemporaries, and His favor lifts me above every competition and opposition. I'm favored, helped, and assisted by God, and everyone I come in contact with every single day and moment of this week. I've said it, so it begins to happen now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so we're having a boost with Facebook. Wow. So, if you have not registered, the link is still in our WhatsApp community. You can, you know, click and register at this boost with Facebook.
fight someone to church. It's not good that it's only you that is hearing these things. Mm. Let the people in your circle, because as pastor has taught us, these people influence us one way or the other. So let us invite them. Let them come and hear these things with us as well. All right, let us rise up on our feet.